left a lasting impression on me where I felt like Latif was really carrying Arizona on his back. And I, in turn, kind of wanted to do the same, having been a person that I felt was like I have. I felt like I myself was also a direct result of the Arizona community's effort, you know, be it kindness, you know, somebody willing to pick me up, you know, extra sessions, stuff like that. So I felt like I was a person that was built and raised by the FTC community. Um, so I wanted to do the same. So Latif getting second really lit the fire underneath me. Absolute Guard Podcast. We're the podcast that chronicles the past and present of the fighting game community and bring on various perspectives from Arizona. This is episode 21. My name is Benny, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host John. Who's not feeling the best of these past couple of days, but we find a way regardless. How you how how's it going other than that, John? Not too bad. I am on the up and up. Um, or is that is that the right phrasing? I'm, I am recovering from my from my bad sore throat, and uh yeah. that's a it is it's a it's it's nice getting sick again in a way because I I think I, I started going out a little bit more since the pandemic and this is probably yeah. the the result of two years of not really getting sick and putting yourself out there you know <laughs> yeah well I mean it's that and then like I mean it's you know I mean we're in AZ but it's winter time and it's just like for a guy coming from Alaska like I didn't start to feel cold till last winter so like now <laughs> I'm like I'm like layered up like not not you know not anywhere like Alaska but I got layers on now and I'm just like yeah it's that time of year. That might be it. Is like I just was still running around in t-shirt and shorts like an idiot. <laughs> so, yeah, cool. So it'll catch up to you for sure, man. So yeah, we're on episode twenty-one today, and who's our guest today, Benny? Uh, today we have Angelic, aka Armando. Um, for me, like when I think of Angelic, um, I think of three things. I think of Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom Three, which I think everybody would agree is his main game and what he's known for. Um, I think of well, not, well, when I think of that game, I also think of Shuma Garath, one of his mm-hmm. main characters. So, yeah. I mean, I think that's definitely somebody, so a character that you'd associate uh, Angelic with. Then the third thing is something uh, kind of near and dear to me, and also something that I've helped out with is uh, Undefeated, which is his uh, tournament that he's held here uh, in AZ4, focused on Marvel. So th- those are definitely the three things I think of when I think of Angelic. How you doing today, man? Sorry, I forgot to mute myself. Doing pretty good, man. Thanks for having me, both of you, John, Benny. Uh, known you both for a long time, so it uh, fits right at home to kind of get to sit down with you guys and talk a little bit about, uh, you know, Arizona Marvel. You know, whatever we end up getting into tonight. I know we already had a, a few, you know, we already took a, a hard turn earlier, so <laughs> you know, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, for those who, uh, who, are, who uh, are listening on the audio portion of this podcast, we were talking about current events, uh, which we're not going to go too deep on, in on this one, but it's been a fun fun past couple of weeks here uh, angelic could you give us a kind of an overview of like where your handle came from and because we call you armando as as just mm-hmm. the, as friends of years here but uh angelic was something that you had prior to joining the fighting game community right yeah yeah so um i had angelic uh it came from a number of things 
um it was a culmination of both being like uh i used to like drawing angels i did a lot of art growing up i went to art in college so i used to like drawing a lot of like angelical figures uh and then i also liked playing ddr and there's a really really difficult song uh it's called healing vision angelic mix and i thought man like i don't know like i like angels it was just like a, a spur of the moment thing it really mm-hmm. was but uh um yeah that was that was my gamer tag i also used that gamer tag in another game um before fighting game called guns the duel which i really loved um and okay. that one i made i was pretty good at so uh that was the, the first time i used that gamer tag and fighting games were just something i did at like when i couldn't play guns for a little bit so uh yeah you know just use the same gamer tag is is guns with a z is that yeah yeah it's honestly that game is cracked out it's literally marvel 2 if it was a shooter game the game <laughs> the game was developed to be intended as a normal shooter but it was riddled with so many bugs and glitches like the yeah. the essence of like like basically like think of like wave dashing mm-hmm. wave dashing yeah. exists in guns and it's the same type of thing where you're just canceling essentially like a dodge over and over again uh, okay. it's pretty interesting yeah it just became like this incredible like movement heavy shooter it was fantastic i know a lot of people who played it you know still remember it fondly but yeah that's very cool very cool um i think we might have lost benny temporarily here but or at least the Uh-oh. connection is dropping but i'll go ahead and move on to the next question here oh can um, you guys hear me yeah yes oh okay though so i was gonna say oh did they they never patched out any of that stuff they just kind of let it rock uh it's funny they didn't patch it out and they ended up just selling it to a bunch of different gaming companies to host like their own servers on uh yeah. and then they made a second one where they patched it all out and then the company died <laughs> <laughs> the company actually died because they released a version without the patches or yeah. without all the bugs and people realized that it was just another shooter if you couldn't dash around you know, like it's like it take mo. It's like if you took movement out of Marvel, right? What would happen? It's like no one would play Marvel. It's not Marvel anymore. It's a different yeah. type of game. So, yeah, it actually exactly. died. Yeah, the, the the company the in the game died. So rest in peace. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> no, it just makes me think about that because like uh, I don't play Call of Duty anymore, but like I'd seen some uh, videos recently of like uh, dash canceling in that, and like people like doing some crazy movement, and they're just like, this isn't how you're supposed to move in this game. But then they like patched it out. So I'm just like. You know, sometimes you just want that broken stuff in there. Yeah. That's what makes it fun. This, this game had like this game also. So if you wave dash fast enough, you could wave dash to do the air. And in this game, you can climb the <laughs> wall. So what would happen is you would dash cancel up a wall and then Matrix style start shooting people from the sky on your way down. And it like the meta became like if you were too grounded, you were actually considered like a lower player because grounded opponents are easier to hit. Yeah. when you're in the sky so like think of like if you're in the air shooting down it's very easy if you're in the ground shooting up and there was a sun in this game that could actually sometimes blind you it was oh, literally wow. impossible to shoot somebody moving around the air so it became wow. this meta where like much like some fighting games if you have the high enough execution to play the neutral correctly you're actually just going to outclass opponents based on you know your skills alone as opposed to like your actual aim so very interesting game taught me a lot of mechanics actually that i carried through to a lot of other things so nice nice that's awesome (laughs) so how about in terms of like the fighting games like i know you played Street fighter 4 because i think i played you in like rewired or something and (laughs) i mean yeah we're like what's your what's your origin when it comes to like fighting games like what's the what's the first fighting game you started with and then like how did that grow into kind of like your your competitiveness and moving forward from there 
So uh, I played. So there's there's like a funny. It's a funny story. I played fighting games um, growing up with my brother, but I didn't actually know how to do anything in them. So I only used simple mode, really. Um, so I mean, like I I played Marvel One. I rented, you know, Street Fighter versus X Men or whatever from the Hollywood video. You know, <laughs> got a three day rental on that bad boy. You know, um, but realistically, I didn't know how to play. And I didn't even know how to do special inputs. Um, I now realize I had the, the like the silliest mistake. I thought fireball was down, down, forward, forward. So I would hit down, pause, down, forward, pause, forward, pause, button. And I would never get it. And I was like, I don't understand why this input is hard. You know, now I realize that you're just supposed to, you know, you're just supposed to twirl the thumb. You know, you're just supposed yeah. to hit them all within a few frames. But I was literally sitting there like down, down, forward, forward. And then like it never <laughs> came out even by accident. So I think even um, like Mortal Kombat fatalities are kind of like that, too. I remember having that same kind of epiphany. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. It was I didn't actually play any Street Fighter or anything. It was just coincidentally I, I had some experience with Tekken and the versus games, but I didn't know how to do any special moves. And I only played the the arcade or against my brother. Um when super street no street fighter 4 came out it looked pretty good and i was at uat at the time so i bought it because we were all playing soul caliber and then we wanted a new game to play because at that point we were all kind of sick of soul caliber um i think it was soul caliber 4 whichever one was on the xbox 360 um we bought the game but i still didn't really know how to play uh i didn't i still didn't know how to do fireballs i didn't know how to do anything um and I remember watching some people play in the in the UAT lunchroom, which was a very popular time. Um, you know, I know you guys talked to Neff, so she probably already told you guys about how that was. You know, yeah. in the lunchroom, you had these monitors and you had like these gaming setups. So I watched some people play and it looked fun, but I really ultimately still didn't know what I was doing. Um, and it really wasn't until Super Street Fighter 4 came out um that i decided that i wanted to a commit to learning how to play a real fighting game and b i bought an arcade stick um my roommate who also casually played fighting games he said there was like a buy one get one free on like the te2s like round twos so i decided that i was going to learn how to play fighting games because i committed to go and have these on these sticks with him so all (laughs) of a sudden i went from like not knowing how to do play that much to buying the stick um, and then at that point, I think I also started to trying to to um, play a little bit more, though I didn't really know what I was doing. So yeah, I mean, that's like yeah, that's the start. Definitely, I would say Super Street Fighter Four was was when I started actually. I think Street Fighter Four, I was playing a little bit, but I really wasn't mingling with the FTC community. And then okay. Super Street Fighter Four came out, and I think that's when boot camps were happening and stuff started taking off for me personally. Okay, so. I know you from from when I played you in Street Fighter Four. Uh, you played Seth. Did you play any other characters before that, or was it just Seth since the beginning? I played I played Ken. I played Ken in the first like my first main Ken. Right, Ken uh-huh. was the first character I like managed to do like a fireball with, and you know I managed to get like a final DP motion. Okay. Um, my first real main though was yeah. Abel. I played a lot Abel. Uh, uh, that was the character where I learned how to like do an FADC with. You know, I learned how to how to do like a like a yeah, like just like consistent ultras. A dash cancel. You could yeah, do a dash, dash cancel, cancel off yeah, Seth kick, dash right? Cancel. <laughs> um and then Seth was like my my real, real main when um and really it was just because I saw Punko, honestly. I saw like yeah. that Punko video went viral where he like perfects like everyone and their mom. 
And I was like, yeah. dude, Punko looks sick. Seth looks sick. I kind of want to do that. And uh, it's funny. That was, um, I decided that like I wanted to have more fun with the game. Like I was like, I don't really know if I'm ever going to touch these, these, these Street Fighter le- local legends. You know, you had people like yeah. Scott, you had like Denimitsu, you know, Mr. SNK. Like you had all these people who were like really dominant. And like, I didn't really know anything about like how to stack up against them. So I was like, I don't really think I'm ever going to leave my my little boot camp sesh station five, you know, whatever the bottom one was. <laughs> so like, I might as well be trying to have more fun. So I picked up Seth and that really was it. Just I literally just watched a YouTube video of Punko. I decided that that looked more fun than playing Abel. And then yeah. I I kid you not, I, I never picked Abel again, really. Like I like it was just one day like I picked Seth and then I played 50 matches and I was like, this is way more fun. And I never looked back. So. Yeah, that's awesome because we just we were just having that discussion with Scott. Uh, yeah, recently, and he yep. was just like, you know, find what's fun for you, and it's just like that opens up a whole another possibility in terms of like how much you'll play, and it's just like, you know, like like you said, like you know, you found you probably found tools, you found teleport mixups and all kinds of stuff, and you're just like, this is so much more fun, you know, this is so <laughs> much. That's a whole different perspective in terms of like playing the game than you know the traditional, like you said, like footsies or doing stuff like that. Hmm. Another thing we covered on that last episode was, um, you know, when everyone, whenever anyone starts fighting games, they kind of either pick Ryu or Ken, and so it's this might be <laughs> so kind of a fun too. game. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you picked no. Ken. So why Ken over Ryu? Because <laughs> Ken's cooler, man. You gave me the yeah. flames, bro. It's like it's like when you find a car and the guy the, the flame decals on the side. Like you literally go faster, feel stronger, do more damage, dude. The fire does more damage. <laughs> That, so oh, and you also had a brother playing fighting games. Did you? Uh, did he pick Ryu? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. We we had, like him and I actually never played Street Fighter together. Street, oh, okay. I, I literally Street Fighter Four was my first Street Fighter ever. Okay. Um, to have touched, you know. Um, we played Marvel's Capcom. Um, like I said, casually, and in that game, he played. Uh, he liked Iron Man. Um, he liked the uh, he liked the robots. He liked the robots. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> Nice. So in terms of like, uh, like the competitive side, uh, I mean, like when did like what was like the first tournament that you entered? Uh, do you remember that? Do you remember that experience? Yeah, yeah. Um, the first real tournament that I entered, I think it was the UAT tournament. Okay. I think there was a, a UAT tournament upon release of either Super or Street Fighter Four. One of those two. I was still playing Ken, so I think it might have been the. The first one and i was at uat and i went down from the dorm room to enter and uh i was playing ken and i could only dp really and i lost to a zangief who spd'd me every single time and i didn't know how to get i didn't know how to like wake up jump or anything like i didn't really know what the options were so i got spd'd into a quick oh and two and then i left because i didn't know that there was a loser's bracket i didn't know how that that worked so that's my first tournament that i remember for fighting games um the first time I went to a tournament of my own will, like where I actually like I wanted to like be a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, Rick Dog ran a tournament at a pizza place, I believe. And that's where I showed up and I brought a full setup, too, because I heard that they all needed setups. But my setup was whack. Like I didn't have audio on my on my monitor. <laughs> so I brought a monitor that with no audio. And then I brought like some speakers and you had to like Jimmy rig the audio. But I was like, yeah. I don't know. You guys wanted setups. And then. And then yeah, I I set it up, and then I think, and then I went zero and two there as well. I mean, I'm I went zero and two for a good couple of months before I even won my first one. 
So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was tough. It was really tough in the beginning for sure because I didn't know anything about fighting him. I didn't, I didn't have fighting game fundamentals. I didn't have footsies. I could barely do a fireball. Like all I had was like a lot of time and like this. Uh, I don't know. I it was fun, so I kept going. So, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there's there's always that, like they say, the pot monsters or whatnot. There's people, you know, the people that go O into or you know that aren't you know in the money and those you know top threes kind of thing like those are the people that you know in a way really sustain the the scene too and it's just like whether you're having fun whether it's like the competitive nature of it or whatever you know like those are the people that we need in the community too so it's just like uh, i'm the type of person too like yeah i go oh and two and i'm just like i'm i'm itching for the next time like when's the next tournament like this was a fluke whatever like you know <laughs> i'm looking to come back you know i know other people there's there's people out there that just, you know they'll go oh and two and they'll just be like this isn't for me and i'm just like i can't do that man like, <laughs> okay, okay speaking of fluke the first person i beat was zane he was not happy <laughs> he was not happy i remember surprise yeah yeah i love zane <laughs> obviously we got a long history together i hope he's doing well yeah he was yeah. one he was the first person i beat uh and he wasn't happy and i remember i was really happy i was like yeah let's go like i was popping off on my one win and i think that <laughs> didn't make it any better <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. the other thing is that when you go into like um it's 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 a good way of like establishing why you're there um you know if if you're going oh and two then you, you have no dreams of like winning the tournament like the, like you have to be like really like uh yeah out of your mind mm-hmm. to think that right so instead you kind of go in with a learning mindset you go in with a um a, a mindset that's like i want to meet as many people as possible learn from them etc and i i remember that very vividly uh when you first joined the scene uh particularly at that rick dog i remember that rick dog tournament and uh yeah you had the 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 brightest attitude you were like hey i want to meet everybody i want to kind of get to know everyone and figure out exactly like what i'm doing wrong in the game and what i'm doing right in the game and what to repeat and uh it's it's kind of it's kind of telling that you ended up picking the character with the most amount of special moves in the game. <laughs> I couldn't be stopped, man. Once I knew the fireball, I was like, "What about the reverse fireball? What about the reverse DP?" <laughs> I just kept building the momentum on the inputs until I found the most comprehensive command list. So, <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, I think it's really important, and I, I talk about this with a lot of people. Um, I think. Sometimes I find that if you know you're going to go 0 and 2, it kind of sets you up for a, a bigger learning opportunity. If you actually do go to these events, it means yeah. you're going to have more time for casuals. You're going to have more time for conversation. It means that you are you're always kind of like you're already at the bottom. So any kind of success from that is going to be happy success, right? Like you're going to be happy no matter what. Um, you know, the opposite is I think. I think people kind of overestimate what it means to go to an event and kind of expect yourself to do well, because then it's like anything but first is like, I failed. It's a bad time. You know, you're in bracket the whole time. No casuals can't really talk too much to too many people. You know, I think going on with two is like the best part about going to events. Sometimes it's like, you you just get to do all the fun and none of the downsides, you know, like (laughs) what, like a local is going to have, like some locals got like what, 25 bucks for first place. Like, you're not really, you know, you're not fighting for that much, you know. Yeah. I'd rather have a good, I'd rather pay the 25 to have the good time, so. 
yeah and everybody like you can only go to your first tournament you know once like you know mm -hmm. after that like it's it's all about your expectations for yourself going into it and if you yeah. go in with very little expectations and I'm not saying don't try to win or anything yeah, but then it hurts less but as you as you like spend more time playing fighting games and as you uh, like I, I guess build up the skill level your expectations for yourself also grow and then it makes the losses hurt more but at the beginning like it's about it's about the fun it's about the learning mm -hmm. it's about the meeting new people yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, because it's just like I was gonna. Uh, well, I guess that's that's two things for new people that are listening in. Is like one, a lot of these brackets, well, basically all of them are double elimination. So don't leave early if you lose one game. Like you're not out of the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> two, just try to have fun, try to network. You know, people a lot a lot of people in the scene are willing to help, and you know they're you know you might be new blood and you might be hesitant to talk to people, but you know a lot of people are there to and, and they want to see other people get better. Like, I mean, yeah. even if they don't end up being like, a, you know, a, a, you don't end up having like a close relationship with somebody like I like to see people like that. I've talked to like I like to see their success. It's just like if I gave them a piece of advice and then I see that implemented like in a match later, I was like, oh, man, I told that guy about that thing. It's like, yeah, he's doing it. And it's like, you know, you like to see people like level up. Yeah. And it was it was fantastic. I think the Arizona scene specifically during that time was the most helpful scene I could have asked for. Um, I really didn't encounter any sort of resistance to, to me asking questions to me. I mean, the only things really that I remember, and it's, it's kind of a fond memory at this point is people just asking me like, Oh, why did you do that? You know, I used to have really <laughs> stupid things that I would do. Uh, I would call like empty jump ultra the Armando, like stuff like that, you know, where it was just like, and it yeah. would catch somebody at time. They'd be like, why would you do that? And I, I'd always be like, well, I don't like taking options off the table. You know, I want to consider everything. You know, uh, you know, I just stuff like that. And and even then, like, yeah, I really didn't have a lot of resistance. It was a good time. Everyone was willing to learn, was willing to learn with me, you know, or teach me stuff, uh, you know, you know, just, yeah, like there was a lot of sessions. Um, and in hindsight, it was awesome that I was always able to kind of be like, hey, can I come? And people wouldn't really tell me no. They'd be like, yeah, you know, more than Mary, you know, um, I really was just some random person coming out of left field, you know, trying to play fighting games and from the beginning like from the literal in few months of starting that journey i was already welcome to everyone's house everyone was friendly i didn't even have a car i mean in hindsight the first time i went to a local gathering at uh dorian's old old apartment i posted on the sure you can arizona thread can anyone pick me up some guy replied yes i said dope he said, I will be there soon. I went outside. Some random stranger pulled up. He says, let's go play fighting games. Never <laughs> met him before. Got in the car, made small talk. And then he just drove me to an apartment. I've never been before. Sketchy as all hell. And then when I got inside and there was a setup. And I was okay with it. You know, like in hindsight, that was this was a bad look. This was a really <laughs> bad look. I really didn't know who he was. I didn't know if he was vetted by the community. You know, but um, yeah, like there was a lot of stuff like that. But like, that's the kind of like, welcoming attitude that Arizona had where somebody in the community was willing to pick up a random stranger who couldn't even fireball. And then like, we went to go play for a little bit where I lost every single match for like two hours straight and people took turns rotating, you know, beating me up like 50 to zero. And then we dipped, you know, so um, fun times. Yeah. Arizona very welcoming and uh, yeah. very cool. So then moving forward in the timeline a little bit here. So even I think you kind of you ended up giving it back a little bit because you also started hosting as well. I remember like you after you uh, you moved into a, a house on uh, in uh, South Tempe. Right. And right. you were actually hosting a bunch of different casuals there. 
Right. Um, so so that house was Dorian's house where boot camp took place, right? So my understanding was that Dorian and his girlfriend, um, his is wonderful. I think they're married now, his wife. Um, she had a very good job doing, I think, like makeup or special effects or some something like that um, for a very prestigious company. And they got a big offer in California. So Dorian was the main guy hosting. He was the bloodline of the scene at the time. He <laughs> needed to move away. Um, I caught wind that they really needed to find somebody to take the room over because they weren't going to make it with rent. And then even then, they didn't know who was going to live there if they were going to be cool with hosting. Um, at the time, I was living in the dorm room but I could have the option to get out. Um, I've always been somebody to kind of just YOLO things. And I mean that sincerely, like I will just make really rash decisions and kind of just follow them through because one, I think it makes my life interesting. And then two, <laughs> I don't want to think too hard about the things I want to support. So I volunteered. I, it was, um, it was Zane who was the other roommate. And then I think the guy who lived downstairs, his name was Alex. I don't even remember. Um, I was like, I'll take over the like lease. That. Right. I, and I'll tell you right now, I could barely afford it. I was live, I was, I was like working really hard to just pay this third of the rent. Yeah. But the best part was that because by living there, we could keep hosting, and and that's something we did. Yeah, and that was the first time I was really started hosting. Yeah, and even then, that was just that wasn't me hosting. That was just me continuing what was already there. I didn't want it to go away because I found so much love and success going to that house and leveling up that I felt like if that was taken away. You know, not only would my fun get taken away, but the opportunity for others to grow would be too. Yeah, I just thought it was funny the parallel because you were just like, "Here I am doing empty jump ultra," and you're just like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna yellow life too." <laughs> I, sometimes you got to empty jump ultra life too, man. You never know when it's gonna work. You know. <laughs> nice, nice. So, how did your um, how did your transition? Because obviously, everybody knows you from Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom three. So, mm -hmm. going from like Street Fighter, Street Fighter four. So that was the, around the time, like with the with the house and everything. That was that era, like when that was going yeah, on. Were yeah, I mean stuff. that era was a long time. So that was when Street Fighter, Super Street Fighter Four came out and had been out for a little bit. And then from there, you know, there was like Ultra and like A Edition, or I don't know how all the, I don't remember the editions now. But yeah, that was a long, a lot of years between then and Marvel, honestly. But um, sorry, what was what, what were you? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. You were leading into what? Oh no! It was just more like, what was your? How was the transition from from Street Fighter and like Super Street Fighter and whatever versions of Street Fighter you played, and then going into Marvel? Like, how did gotcha. how did that end gotcha. up happening? So, so um, Street Fighter was still like my main game. Um, I like I said, growing up, I played versus games, so that was something that I heavily yeah. loved. But it was in I was understood at this point that it had been ten years. Marvel Two wasn't going to get a sequel. And I like Street Fighter 4 anyways, you know, like in my head, that was all there was to play. And that was what I had fun playing. Um, and I didn't even explore other games. I didn't want to play Tekken. I played a little bit of Guilty Gear. Some anime games like Blaze Blue were fun, um, but nothing really like, you know, drew my attention. And for the most part, I really didn't need it. You know, I had a lot of fun. I built a really great circle of friends. You know, uh, John was part of that circle. You know, like we, we did a lot of training together. Uh, a lot of personal growth and like adventures. We traveled a lot, you know, we went, we'd go to other yeah. people's houses. I mean, there's a lot that happened between there. That oh, really actually, yeah. If I could interrupt that briefly, cause the, yeah. the group that you're talking about, are you, are you referring to uh, you, me, Dana and Louie? Yeah. 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 I, I ran into Louie at Evo this year. And oh. I, hadn't, I hadn't talked to him in a while. Um, and, uh, 
yeah, he's he's doing well too. Just just okay. giving you a heads up. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I, he was the last person I expected to see. We didn't even recognize each other because we had masks on. And then, oh, okay. And then he sits down and he picks Blanca in Street Fighter Five, and he does he plays Blanca exactly the same as oh he did before. Yeah. And it was it was a blast from the past, and it made me think of our old days together, our, our Denny's adventures, right? Yeah, the uh, Denny's adventure. Yep. The philosophical yeah. conversations that would happen afterwards, completely unrelated to fighting games, right? No, 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 man. It was. It was a good time. It was a good period of growth and friendship. And honestly, those years meant a lot to me. And it helped me personally grow as both a person and a player because um, I was able to kind of get all these different point of views. You know, we had like John, like John here, Muji. I feel like he's more methodical in his gameplay and he wants like a structured approach to what he thinks the game should be played and then like abuse the right mechanics to make that happen. We had Louis, who was kind of a little crazier. He had some solid ideas, but he wasn't afraid to think outside the box. And then we also had uh, Dana, who he, he I think he's he was a little bit more like you, John, where he just he had a lot of ideas to be played. But I think he had slightly um, he was just more about the pen and paper of it aspect to where the point where he wouldn't almost he, he almost wouldn't play sometimes, you know, because he'd rather just talk more about how the game um he feels like the direction the game would be going I as opposed that, to like yeah. even playing it because playing it would shatter the illusion that you know direction he thinks it should be going is you know etc but yeah we had a lot we had a very creative group and it was a uh, great for me as a person because i was very like i was very random and i was very wild and i had a lot of you know like i didn't have the the core gameplay you know like i didn't know what footsies were and i played seth he doesn't play footsies right so <laughs> i never learned how to play footsies um, yeah. But what I did learn was to like abuse the tools that I had picked, you know, so I think yeah. we all had our different strengths and it was a great time. And really, we just transitioned. It was I, I, I love this part. I feel like we transitioned our group into a bigger force of the community to the point where I think a lot of us were actually really reaching for like winning tournaments and winning locals and stuff like that. You know, we'd go out of state, we do a lot of damage. And really, it's just like that training. It's, it's just like a really solid training group you know, that can really do that for you. So um, I attribute a lot of my personal growth to Street Fighter and that training group because it helped me really develop what I needed to. And then moving on to like a Marvel 3 announcement, for me, what it was was just an opportunity to play a game I already loved. But the reality was is that even when, like even in the weeks and months leading up to Marvel 3, I was still very much focused on Street Fighter 4 because at that point, I think I was either close to winning a local or I had won a local at some point. Or I was like, I was finally starting to do the damage that I knew I could. And at that point, we were getting very serious about it within our friend group. Yeah. Um, so it was it was a like that was like a really interesting time. And there was a lot of ramp up and a lot of stuff happened there. But um, yeah, very like, yeah, very, 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 uh, very. What's the word I want to use? Yeah, just like kind of like a renaissance period for me as a person and as a gameplay was that that level obsession between, you know, I went from Street Fighter 4 where I bought an arcade stick to, you know, quickly developing a play style and then abusing it and, you know, playing others. So, yeah, good times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that whole that like you kind of explaining and describing that whole kind of era for yourself, like there was a tweet that you put out a while ago or I think it was uh, actually a couple of months ago. I just found mm -hmm. it. It was talking about um it says, no cap, I also thought of you and myself. We are grind lords who really find success only after a ton of experience. Like, you weren't that type of person to kind of just jump in and have, like, immediate success. Like, it took you time. And, like, you know, and you were like, I remember telling F-Champ Ryan that he might learn something in 100 matches. 
but me it yeah. might take a thousand but you can guarantee i will i would play those 1000 and get there so yep. like to me like that i mean you're basically like explaining that exact thing it's just like you weren't going in and being like oh yeah i just got second place i just got third place like it was you know you had that journey you had that build up to get to where you were at yeah no i i'd never had um i've never been somebody to kind of like get a hold of something and then be really great right away um that's not who i am and i acknowledge that you know, yeah. somebody, something that I am, however, is passionate. You know, I've always been a firm believer that, you know, passion and, and drive and motivation can really help overcome a lot of gaps between you and another person's individual skill. Um, and that's something yeah. that has helped push me very far. And, yeah. and that's kind of where that tweet come from. You know, um, that tweet specifically came from a conversation where I was at F Champ's house. Uh, he had invited a lot of players to kind of like a private marvel 3 session uh-huh. and in that marvel 3 session he was having us play each other in longer sets so i played champ i played ray ray was there you know we just mm-hmm. like kyle we just had a lot of really like talented individuals and we were kind of pinning each other up and where that comes from is that um i would play a longer set with ryan and i would start i really wouldn't pick up or i really wouldn't do better against them until near the end and he would explain a lot of things to me. He's like, I need you to be doing this. I need you, you should be doing this, this, and that. And I told him, I was like, it's going to take me a little bit. Let's run the set again. You know, yeah. and then when we took a break between all the sets, that's kind of where I let him know. He's like, hey, you know, it's going to take me a little bit, but I will get there. And I did eventually get there. You know, there's a lot of things that he taught me that I ended up, you know, being able to abuse down the line against other players. Um, but for him, it was just something, you know, there was other players at that same camp where if he told them to do something, they could adjust within a few matches. You know, I just... I'm unfortunately yeah. not that quick of a, you know, I'm, I don't adjust that quickly. So, um, yeah, interesting tweet. And I think that shares a little bit as to what kind of has been, uh, you know, powering the machine in terms of my end, you know. Yeah. Um, and and I tell that to a lot of people, too. You know, there's a lot of gamers out there and a lot of, you know, FGC people, you know, just who don't find the same success and, yeah. you know, who aren't able to pick up or adjust as quickly or they're just not finding, you know, that they can make the right um adjustments and you know sometimes i tell them sometimes it may be a gameplay thing it may just take you a much longer time and you need to be prepared to put in that time and if you can't that's also okay it's a very mature decision you know it's just important to recognize kind of what your strengths and weaknesses are have you have you found that over the years uh as you've picked up more and more games i know i'm jumping ahead a little bit here but has that has that learning curve reduced at all um is it a function of experience or do you think it's just something just like that's kind of the way you are and you know it'll take a while no matter what um i think i think there is going to be i mean no matter what there are a lot of things that kind of take well you know from game to game you know um yeah something that does now while i said that you know it may take me time to adjust there are things that don't take me a lot of time to adjust i found my strengths as a more experienced player you know i have um you know, I have exceptional reactions to scramble situations. I have an exceptional ability to read the opponent and know kind of what makes them frustrated and what doesn't. Um, and I have the ability, I have great mix-up decisions for the most part. Like my offense has always been very strong, right? Mm. So if I play another game, those are still going to be there at the front and I don't have to work too hard to kind of, you know, find it. You know, I'll be good at, you know, if I find a solid mix-up, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll know that I'll probably choose the correct way to mix them up every time. But other yeah. things like defense, neutral, 
you know, patience, understanding characters, options, things that I'm not naturally talented at will take me just as long as anyone else. If not, sometimes longer, you know, there's so many new players now. They're so talented. You know, I'm not surprised that somebody out there who's who thinks that they can't make it probably can already do something better than I can. So. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a. Um, I know it's. I'm, I'm. I know it's been discussed on Twitter. Um, in terms of like natural talent and like you know putting in the grind and stuff like yeah. that. And like, there's a. There's a quote that I always uh, hear about in terms of like sports, and it's the hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. So it's like you can be naturally gifted, but it's like you still got to put in that time. And it's like if there's, you know, the naturally gifted guy that's putting in ten hours a week versus the guy that's kind of like in your position putting in a hundred hours a week and really trying to like build on his weaknesses and, you know, learn things and really kind of build up on his foundation. Like, you know, those kind of people, the ones that are hungrier will usually end up beating, beating those guys that are just naturally talented. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's an interesting quote that I've also heard. And I actually tweeted about this as well is my question was uh, how do people feel about somebody who, uh, what if what what happens when talent also works hard though? Like, how does somebody yeah. who doesn't have talent who works hard beat somebody who has talent and works hard? Yeah. You know, and usually I think the the marquee answer or the marquee you know debate is just that you know you'll have to work just even harder. You know, so there is a limit. Yeah. Um, and something like I said, as I continue to merge my real life to my FGCs, I'm finding you know not everyone has the ability to put in that many hours. Um, so I think it's also important beyond just thinking about like what is going to triumph in these situations is mm -hmm. think about what works for you and how do you want to approach it? Like how bad do you want it? And yeah. are you ready to pay the necessary, necessary sacrifices that's going to come with grinding that hard, you know, to be, you know, like a professional player, especially nowadays where they have the ability yeah. and the salary to pretty much work and play every single day. You know, um, if they're playing eight hours a day, every single day, you playing five hours you know, after your shift is not really going to cover up that difference, especially if they are already, you know, talented. So that's a, I think that's a very difficult topic for a lot of people. Um, I think I'm still going to cheer for those who work hard and tell everyone that they should work hard regardless of whether they find that they're talented or not. But um, yeah, definitely a, a more nuanced topic. I feel that uh, is sensitive to some because no one likes hearing that, you know, that they can't make it. And no yeah, one likes thinking. And, and there are a lot of people out there who think, well, I just suck. You know, yeah. um, I remember I went to Mexico. I was invited out for a convention as a special guest and uh, I was playing Marvel there, of course. And I was, you know, obviously um, doing very well. And I, somebody came up to me now. He's like, I've been playing fighting games for 10 years. Why can't I take a single game off you? You know, he yeah. said you said earlier, you've only been playing it for a few years. And yeah. I said, well, you know, it's also some, you know, it's just, you know, you don't know how long I've been playing this game, though. I may have yeah. very well have many more hours than you. And then besides that, it's also the way you practice, you know, like I practice to become the best, you know, you yeah. may just be practicing to be a casual player to have fun, you know? <laughs> so there's, there's also, you know, how you practice and things like that. It's a very nuanced topic generally, but it's like yeah, if you yeah, were yeah. to jump onto a Facebook group for a fighting game and, you know, someone will say they've been playing third strike for the past 20 years. In reality, yeah. the game's been out for that long, but they really haven't been playing it for that long. They haven't yeah. sunk the amount of hours that you have, right? Yeah. Fighting game yeah. just taught me that if somebody tells me they played third strike for 20 years, I'm not, I'm, I'm still going to go in there thinking they probably can't parry, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm going to go in there thinking that they're going to try to parry everything 
something and then fail. So yeah, yeah. No, it, it, it's like yeah, like you said, it's kind of a, a sensitive topic for some people because like that's something for me personally. Like I've I've heard from you know at TGZ at other locals they were just like you know I'm a, I'm a family guy I've got a family and then like yeah. you know there's a lot of there's a lot of single single dudes in our in the scene right and they're just like how are you consistently able to be at a certain level right like I don't consider myself at the top I've you know. Fittingly, my name's, you know, I go by Grandmaster B and I've always considered myself kind of like a B-level player, right? Like I'm a gatekeeper. Like I have my moments against the top guys here and there, but anybody below me, like I feel like I should beat them consistently. And like, I don't put a lot of time into fighting games. Like there was times like before, during Randbats, like I would just be burnt out. I'd put in a couple hours a week and I'll be like, you know what? My mind's good. Like I'm just ready for the next one. Let's go. I'd go there, you know, get ninth and people are like, man, I put in all this time, like, how are you doing this? And I'm just like, well, I mean, I don't know. It's just, maybe that's just me. Like, and it's, and like, it's one of those things like, too, like you got to kind of like check your ego at the door. Right. And it's just like, if you don't have the time to put in, like you said, to do that work, like, you know, you got to set realistic expectations for yourself too. And it's just like, you know, you might be aiming for the top, but if you're not putting in the work to do that, like, can you realistically expect that? Like, for me, like, I never went into a Randbat saying, you know what, I'm going to get one or two today, right? Like, it was just like, me and my goals were always minimum, like, top eight. Let me get top eight, and I'll be, you know, I'll be pretty satisfied with myself to get a top eight. You know, I wasn't aiming for that for that high, and yeah. I knew that because that's how much time I was investing, how much time I was putting in. Like, I didn't think that that was a realistic goal for myself. Yeah, I think if, if you're not a sponsored player, um, like, fighting games become... A time optimization game just as much as a actual game a fighting game where yeah. you have yeah. to you have to balance like like you the people that you're competing against at the local level are the ones who have they, they they everybody's got x amount of time that they want to spend and it's how 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 well people optimize that amount of time and how quickly they play to their strengths like what what armando said earlier about finding his mix-ups and finding his offense or benny what you mentioned about like playing in tournament and gatekeeping it's because you're sticking to your strengths right you're not you're not like trying to to stretch the game you know the 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 time box that you currently have to work with and you want to try to make the most of that with what's good and eventually you know that that grows over time if you if you have like a if you have like a gimmick or whatever that you've been using and that 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 tool toolbox grows over time just through experience but by and large like if eventually like people will learn how to counter that and it's up to you to decide do you want to put in the time to deal with that or not and yeah. some some people do some people don't and other like I, I don't know there's just i've noticed that it's it's a, unless you're getting paid to play these games it's just about how how well you use your time and how well yeah. you as Armando said, like the quality of your practice and what you're aiming for, what your goals are more yeah. than anything else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, man. Just like, yeah, like I said, just that I think setting expect realistic expectations for yourself is a big thing. Yeah. Like, I've seen a lot of people where they get really upset because like they'll lose to me and I'm just like, you know, that whole FGC, like <laughs> I don't even really play this game. Right. And it's just like, you know, and you hate to lose to that guy, but it's just like, well, you know, what, what exactly are you putting in? Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think I think like in closing, um, I don't actually necessarily think it's it's that bad to have unrealistic expectations as long yeah. as like it's more of like a, you're shooting for the stars, seeing yeah, the land exactly. on a cloud type deal. Yeah. But uh, I know that there's a lot of people who are like, you know, I'm playing every day, you know, like, why am I not like progressively beating the other guys? Well, the reality is they're probably practicing, too. You know, so yeah. you have to practice, like John said, in a 
in a, a quality way that actually is going to close that gap, you know, versus just putting a lot of hours or, you know, necessarily, yep. you know, just filling your head or spending so much mental power on like, why am I not here? Like being dissatisfied. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah a, don't get me wrong. Like I'm, I'm, I'm always of the positive mindset. Like I see, like I see people all the time. Like they look at a bracket, they see a name, and they're just like, "Oh man, well I'm gonna be in losers already." Like, um, I think of uh, what's that guy's name in our scene? Uh, not one of us at Evo 2017. Like he had made it out of pools. Like I, I had just lost my last match to get out of pools, so I was a little salty. But then like I was, you know, I was gathering or walking around, seeing who who in AZ was left and made it out of pools, and he was one of them, I think. And he was like. Oh, I got PR Balrog next. Like, I'm pretty much out of the tournament. I'm like, why would you think that? And he's like, well, it's PR Balrog. And I'm just like, so? I was just like, yeah. It's like, you, everybody knows who this guy is, but it's just like, you know, why do you have that mentality? And like, I remember I, I caught up with him a little bit later and he goes, oh, I took off a round or I took off a couple games or something like that. And he was like surprised with himself. And I'm just like, you know, that's that's just me. Like, like, I, like, like you said, like, I, I don't get me wrong. Like, I have that positive mindset. I still expect to win, like, you know, whenever I walk up there, I don't care who I'm playing. And I'm just like, that's just my mindset. I mean, it's a it's a spectrum, right? Uh, on the one end of the spectrum, you go in expecting to lose, like you said there. And, and, and you know, oftentimes you'll make that happen subconsciously. But on the, on the other end of the spectrum, you feel almost a sense of entitlement to winning. And that's when things yep. when 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 doesn't go your way and you feel entitled to win, that's when the salt comes out. That's when the bad yeah. attitude comes out. And that's when yeah. actually you don't learn from your mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so to, to move back to some of the history here, we we, we went on that tangent. Uh, you were just picking up Marvel after Street right. Fighter 4 here, and you were not you were kind of like, eh, Street Fighter 4 is kind of my main game. I, this, what is this Marvel thing? I'll give it a shot. What, uh, what, what were your first impressions of Marvel 3? Um... It's really funny. Yeah, Marvel 3, like, obviously, I was ecstatic. I was through the roof. I still remember the morning. Um, no, actually, I don't remember the morning that they announced the game. I remember the morning that they announced Shumagorath. I think I was really hype. Um, honestly, I was very excited for the game, but no, Shumu kind of killed it. He was my favorite character in the versus game, in, the, in the games that I played before. Um, mm -hmm. I thought it was very cool. So um, I was hyped for it, but a lot of it was, like, you know, um, I just didn't really know. It was a very different game. I never played Marvel 2. You know, I was a Street Fighter player, so I didn't have a lot of expectations. I think I was just kind of letting myself be hype, you know, mm -hmm. and really like the, you know, the period between when they released Street Fighter or Marvel 3 and Super Street Fighter 4 came out really wasn't that long. So um, I think I was still in the very much like the honeymoon phase, you know, of a couple years of just like being satisfied enough, being satisfied in just growing as a fighting game player and like mm -hmm. that was my fun versus necessarily like this like nowadays we're like a game can really bring you a lot of fun you know back then it was like me growing as a player was enough regardless of the yeah. game i played so um yeah marvel 3 was announced it was very much um me thinking um yeah i hope this is really good i think this is going to be really fun i can't wait to play um, cause back then I also had, I knew a lot of like the OG Marvel two players in the Arizona community because they would come to hang out at all these local events, mm -hmm. but they wouldn't really play street fighter four. They would just kind of come and hang out. So like, uh, Charlie Goblin, um, like, uh, Yoshi, you know, like Horacio, you know, um, like all these players would come out, like they just hang out and I would get to, you know, hang out and talk to them too. And they were really cool, but then they would go play Marvel two on the side. And like, I didn't touch that. So it was more like, Again, you know, I'm very happy that the game is going to come out. I hope it's good. 
Um, and it, I felt like it, it might be my opportunity to kind of play with these old school Arizona legends in my book because yeah. I really wanted to just kind of test my metal, you know, my, my might against um, what they had to bring. Because at that point, I had already been, like I said, scratching at the locals. Like I had played Scott, you know, I played Danimate 2 and like I'd beaten them or I had, I had, I finally had some solid wins against who I thought were untouchable. So I kind of wanted to just play these Marvel 2 guys um, in a Marvel S game to see how that would go. Um, and yeah, like I said, really the excitement didn't really reach critical levels until Shuma was announced. Um, yeah. And yeah, I was on my way. I was on my way out the door. I still live at Dorian's. I was going to go work on my call center job, which sucked. Um, I looked at my phone <laughs> and they were doing these character trailers and they dropped the Shuma one. And I'll never forget it because I had already said, I think maybe, I don't know if you remember this, John, but I had told our friend group this, that if Shuma was announced that I would do whatever it took to go the evil and like go really far like i i actually verbatim said this before the game was announced yeah, so did. when he was announced i was like i guess i'm maining this game and <laughs> i guess i'm gonna play him so which is you'll i'll reveal this later which is really funny because i actually did not do that the first few <laughs> evils i did not play shuma because i thought he was so trash yep and i ended up yeah i ended up betraying my own promise but i made two in the end but yeah marvel <laughs> Marvel was announced it was going to come out and yeah I mean at that point um that's what the announcement meant to me and that's what the game coming out was going to mean to me um I didn't know what the game was going to be about how it was going to play um another funny moment I remember Dormammu trailer being released and I was like this character seems really cool but he's going to be super trash and ironically <laughs> he was he's now been one of the best characters through the whole series I'm arguably my best character the one that you know anchors my like, Shuma is still you know, he never made that climb in the tier list, but Dormammu certainly did, and it was very funny. Yeah. Um. And that, and I said that solely because I like playing Blackheart and Marvel Two when I, the little I did play, and I understood mm -hmm. him to not be one of the better characters. He's like, again, like a solid B tier, like a gatekeeper character. So. Nice, nice. Well, yeah. Speaking of Evo, that I mean, that's definitely something a topic I wanted to touch because, uh, in terms of Evo top eights, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You made you made three, right? Yeah. Was it three? If you, if you yeah. count, if you count like the, the the side event one, yeah, 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 three, oh, yeah. Okay. One one of them's one of them's a side event. So I, I um, yeah, but yeah, two so for, two like big main stages one. Yeah, because I say I say for me personally, like I know for AZ in general, right? The the rise of Latif in 2011, like that was my first Evo. I was still in Alaska, right? The rise of Latif and getting second place at that at Evo 2011, like mm -hmm. that was a huge moment for. For the AZ scene, yeah. But you know, for me, that didn't resonate necessarily with me. Like, yeah, he was the American, or you know, I guess American representative, right? Uh, doing, doing well in Street Fighter. But for me, like the you and your representation of AZ in top eights was huge for me because I was just like, I know that dude. Like that's <laughs> you know that's somebody I know that's yeah. up there and like you know on the stage and is like one of the best players in the world. So that. That's like that to me. Like it was one of the craziest things. It's just like this is one of my friends that's up there, and I'm just like, holy shit, dude! Like that was just a huge moment for me. But like in terms of like the Evo top eights, like what were your like kind of mindsets like going into those? Like your, I mean, I don't know if you want yeah. to go to like each your runs. Yeah, but no, I mean, it's like... okay. So, so like, um, it's funny you bring up Latif because I actually felt like he inspired me quite a bit. He left a lasting impression on me where I felt like Latif was really carrying Arizona on his back. And I, in turn, kind of wanted to do the same. 
having been a person that I felt was like I have I felt like I myself was also a direct result of the Arizona community's effort, you know, be it kindness, you know, somebody willing to pick me up, you know, extra sessions, stuff like that. So I felt like I was a person that was built and raised by the FGC community. Um, so I wanted to do the same. So Latif getting second really lit the fire underneath me. Um, and so the next year, 2012, so when did Latif got second? 2011, right? Was that? Yeah, 2011, yep. 2011. Um, 2012, I think, was the first year Marvel 2, Marvel 3 came out, and that was Vanilla. Um, and I did enter, and I actually lost to Vissant, who went on, of course, to win Evo. So at the time, I was really bummed because I thought I did awful. But then later, I heard that the guy who beat me won. So you kind of have that in your pocket, right? You're like, okay, hold on. I'm not trash. I will lost to the champ, you know? <laughs> um, so that was really interesting. Uh, and then um, 2013 was, yeah, obviously, that was the first year I got uh, top eight. That was the, the run. Um, I had been playing quite a bit that summer um forward sean benner who i'm sure i don't know if you guys talked about him yet on the podcast but you know smash brother legend decided that he wanted to play marvel and he also was like unemployed borderline or i know he was finishing school and i was unemployed at the time i had quit my job because i hated it it was a call center Mm -hmm. um and so we had a lot of free time so sean like over that summer before evo um, me and Sean, but he basically like lived at my house and we played like we would wake up and play like 14, 15 hours straight. And then we would just pass out on my couch. Um, and we did a lot of other crazy things. We went to other tournaments and stuff like that. But yeah, really like. It was I mean, honestly, that's a really interesting story in itself. We had time like we got we had hyperbolic time chambered ourselves um, to a very high level of gameplay that what the first event we both went to was not evil but west coast curly right the okay. yipes invitational yeah it was very strange and i mean this not there's no way to to say this without sounding egotistical but sean and i were both like why are people so easy to beat like why is yeah. this like what is this level of gameplay like we really we weren't watching streams because streams weren't big deal back then. We weren't watching YouTube replays because they weren't really taken off. It was just Sean and I playing each other with with and we would talk constantly about the way we the game should be played, and then mm-hmm. we just grinded ourselves to this really high level point to where when we went to West Coast, it was literally like these name players that we heard like West Coast legends, like you know, shout outs to Killer Kai. But at the time, like I played him, I was like. This guy's supposed to be one of the zero goats, you know, like Richard Wynn, Marn. You know, like all mm-hmm. these players who were like names to be feared. You know, we were playing casuals and like Sean was just waxing them. Like I was having no difficulty. You know, it was very surprising. It was that tournament was very eye opening. And it kind of let us know that A, we were practicing the right things and B, that people weren't playing the game correctly. So, um, yeah, we went to that event. That was the first, that was the actual, my, one of my first big events for Marvel three in general. And yeah. I got fifth place. So, you know, I got top eight there actually. Um, yeah. I got destroyed by Justin Wong cause he was just way too good at the time. And he definitely slapped me up. No regard, like almost double perfect. Um, but yeah. I mean, I, I beat, um, I beat Richard Wynn. I beat Marn. I beat um, Zach Bennett. That was the big Zach yeah. Bennett. He did the uh, yeah. Wolverine yeah, no, no, no yeah, got wasted combo, right? He did that on me, unfortunately. 
but uh i did take the set so i you know i, I was feeling sad about it but i moved on and he went home so you know how sad can you be um <laughs> and yeah like i yeah i just had a you know had a lot of a lot of moments um but yeah like so that evo when that evo happened i remember what do i remember the what i remember the most was that i wanted to be confident but i wanted to be like low key about my confidence and yeah. really the and this is this is again we're catching up here with me and john Really, so we carpooled me, John. Oh, Dana I was gonna carpooled. tell that story. God damn it! All right, you're gonna. All right, <laughs> <That's perfect. laughs> no, no, all right. I'll, I'll tell you. No, you tell the story. No, okay. So, uh, I I do want to rewind briefly and say that mm -hmm. when after after that cur uh, West Coast curly thing, uh, the idea of gods can bleed, right? Uh, right. That's, yeah. That's, it's yeah. basically like there's there's some heroes here that with like people we've known like know from watching streams being like oh the West Coast people are fantastic the East Coast people are fantastic and then you you go you go and you wash them and you're like oh man we are pretty good you brought that back to our scene um like we got to see that like live I remember seeing the Zach Bennett match live and being like oh shit if he's good maybe maybe we're good too and so yeah. like and then you took that same attitude and you also brought it back and like helped us like level up in that same like you both you and sean and you guys acted as community leaders for a while and gave us new insight on the game as well um but then so going into evo yeah we were carpooling and uh i think it was just we were just having some <laughs> some stupid game where we were like who do you guys like for top eight this this uh yeah. this tournament and um, I think we all named people that like we had seen on those streams, like Marn or, or Justin Wong or whoever. Yeah. Uh, and then when we got to you, you kind of said, you know, I, you were very like tepid about it being like, you know, I, I don't want to toot my own horn here, but I do like me for top eight. Uh, me being Ar like Armando said, I think I'm going to make top eight. And we were all at that time being like, we, we, we had that, um, we were, that, that same gods can bleed kind of feeling where we we're like, yeah, maybe yeah. he can. Like I, I'll be real, and that like I, I, it was a long shot to, in my mind, but like it was still within the realm of possibility because of that yeah, of what, what you had shown happened. leading up to there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I remember this slightly differently. So I'll, I'll tell you what I remember. So I remember I went last, and then Dana was the one who brought it up. Oh, and really? He was like, "If I'm being honest, Armando, I think you can do it." And I was like, "I don't know, man. Like, I don't want to put that in the air." But you're, and he was like, "No, like, don't." He, Dana was like the one like don't sell yourself short like you you I remember you that fucked everyone up and you're gonna fuck everyone at this event and then I was like okay yeah like I'm feel I was feeling the energy so then when I went yeah I put myself on the list but it was actually I yeah I think it was Dana and then you were chiming in as well it was you guys were like you guys were willing to like speak that into existence so then I was like yeah. I doubled down and I was like fuck it I'm down like I, I'm putting myself also on my own list that I will make top eight yeah, this was on the car ride. This is, I mean, because it was like a yeah. five-hour car ride at the time. Yeah, you know the the bypass hadn't been built, so driving to Vegas was a little bit long. Um, yeah. you know, but yeah, we would, yeah, we we had that conversation on the way to Evo on 2013. Yeah, before I made top eight. Yeah, that was. Yeah. I, I don't. Uh, I won't forget that one for sure. That's, I think that's I, awesome, man. I was just, yeah, I was just gonna say like, um, because I mean that's 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 crazy expectations to kind of put yourself. Put, put 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 on yourself right like you said like it's not something that you want to just kind of like put out there and be like you know what i'm making top eight because then it's just like what if you didn't make top eight then you're just like damn like i was shooting for the stars it's and that's crazier what I because in 2012 i didn't make it out of pools in marvel vanilla marvel yeah yeah that warms my heart that you remember that conversation so vividly truly yeah um, <laughs> Because I, I remember what happened after that, uh, after the top eight, uh, or rather, maybe we should uh, 
we should go into so you you know you, you make it to top eight at, at evo 2013 that year but you don't <laughs> just make top eight you go even further into top eight right, right? Here, I'll, I'll, i just i love there's so many funny stories that i i have to interject so i had played i had that whole turn i t- again last the year before i didn't make it out of pools for marvel so yeah. this year i made it out of pools um and then I will say this, there was a lot of interesting things that happened at this Evo. Primarily, this is the Evo where the infamous three out of five switch happened mid-tournament set. So if you guys don't remember, Marvel 3 was two out of three until you got to the afternoon pools. So yeah. half of the tournament was played two out of three early. If So you got to wake up early, you were rewarded with a worst rule set. And why this comes into play is that my pools were the first wave of pools to play out of three out of five. And I had one match where I was down two one in the set. And I brought it back to win three two. And that guy never let he he's told all his friends that. And I know because random people will come up to me like, hey, remember that time you should have lost the evil 2013? I was like, bro, stop. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm friends with that Captain America player. He tells us all the time how he should have beaten you. I was like, yeah, he should have, but it was yeah, yeah, so I I I was the first wave that. and I was down yeah one two, uh but I won three I won and I actually made it out of winners um, and it's funny because I had never done this before I knew by cheering on other Arizona people that there is a second phase of playing so I played that phase and then they told me there was another phase so I was like holy shit I've never I've never heard of two phases after pools like no way Arizona has yeah. ever gone this far right because. You know, I mean, obviously there has been, but like, I didn't know what I was, I mean, I wasn't there. So I, uh, I came back and then they made me play like the second phase every now and then I'd play a match on stream. Like I played, um, Chien, like from Singapore. Yeah. I played him off stream and then I played Scrubix on stream and then I played like Kinder Party off stream. And then they asked me to go play PR Barog on stream. And then I played PR Barog on stream and then when I was done, I was like, is there another phase? Or like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, you're done for now. I was like, all right, cool. I was like, right, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'll be back. And they're like, oh, no, you're done until tomorrow. And I was like, no, dude, tomorrow's top eight. Like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, you made top eight. I was like, that was for top eight? <laughs> he's like, I'm like on stage and he's showing me the little dance party. He's like, yeah, see, like you're on top eight. And they're like, that was for top eight. I was like, no one told me, dude. No one told me this is for top eight. Yeah, so I actually didn't know I made top eight. Until then, and yeah, I was ecstatic. I was blown through the roof. I was super emotional. Like it all hit me at once because I didn't really believe it, you know. Um, yeah, there's a lot of emotions. I know I ran to a lot of my friends, and uh, yeah, just like the whole AZ group that was watching. Um, yeah, that was fantastic. And do you and do you think that if, I, if you had known that your matches were for like you know top sixteen, yeah. top eight, etc., do you think that would have impacted your play at all? Yeah, that's exactly um, what I was gonna ask. <laughs> Not specifically, but for a different reason. So the person that I modeled my gameplay the most after when it came to Wolverine was PR Balrog. So before the match, I had like, like he already knew who I was because I had shown him great respect in a lot of other events. And I let him know that like a lot of my success was by copying him. So when the, when, when, so it's, this is actually, again, this is uh, just a little behind the scenes. Um, when I played BL Rawrog, if you go watch the replay, I don't hold anything but forward against his Wolverine because I mentally made a decision that I didn't want to back down from somebody that had studied so much. So I had a very particular game plan and I had 
almost hard-coded decisions wired into my head as to what I was going to do at 99, what I was going to do against this, what I like everything was again, like I had the most predetermined game plan against PR Balrog. So it wouldn't have mattered because he was an opponent that I particularly wanted to beat because it's kind of like, you know, student beating the master type situation. Like I, I'd, I'd yeah. studied him a lot. So, and he knows that. And after I won, like, I mean, like we talked before the match and after the match and I, and I, I mean, he, he, he was like, Hey, good match. Like we, we, you know, yeah, it's a lot of respect there for sure. So basically, you did your homework then, and you tailored yeah. a strategy specifically to him. Oh yeah, not just yeah. to the Wolverine, Wolverine mirror, or to his team, no, no, no. but specifically to, to Eduardo. Yeah, okay. no, to him specifically. Like I, I like he was one of the opponents that I could have fought where I would have been very comfortable. Not to say that comfortable winning, but I had a game plan in mind. Um, Got it. Yeah, and and uh, that was that was for top eight, and um, for the actual top eight the next day. Um, God. Yeah, it's it's harder. It's I remember all I remember is just like <laughs> I knew I had to play somebody named Cloud Eight Hundred Five. Um, John, I don't know if you remember this, but we were like trying to figure out what he does because you were the zero player that I practiced against. So you and I were try, trying mm-hmm. to chat as to like what he did differently. Yep. And at the time, he came to the conclusion that he just didn't use a lot of level three buster. He liked to do like light busters as he fell to cover the assist. You know, we tried to do some homework, but ultimately, really, in hindsight, a lot of it was PS3 lag. So a lot of the things that I practiced didn't really come into play. Um, it ended up being a lag fest, you know, watching the replays. We both kind of scrambled a lot and a lot of drop combos because of a uh, PS3. But um, yeah, I, I got I got matched up against him. I beat him 3-2. I had a really sick comeback. Uh, I remember that when I hit him to finally close out the last match, I remember literally praying that I was close enough to the corner and by some miracle, I had never practiced that that distance before, but I just I just fired it. I was like, I'm not in the corner, but I'm almost about. I'm gonna just do my corner combo. And it turns out that the combo does work slightly out of the corner. And I never knew that except in that live comeback. So nice. I remember I remember literally praying that this works. It did. I sealed the deal, and yeah, everyone popped off. Um very what sticks with me forever is that there was a huge shuma chant after that Mm, um and there used to be this video and i I used to have it in like a secret playlist on youtube and i guess the guy closed his channel i regret not saving it it's a video of him zooming in on the gameplay and then like i make the comeback and then everyone starts chanting shuma like crazy and i'm getting really excited but the reason why this video stuck with me forever is that he had the camera zoomed in on the like the big screen and yeah. then he zooms out and he's watching the the screen in the furthest back of the room. Like he's in the he's as far back as possible watching like the eighth screen towards the back. And the chant is so loud back there that I'm like, everyone is chanting from the back to the front, getting hype over it. So that sticks with me a lot. Cause when he zoomed in, I was like, oh my God, dude. People were getting so excited. Um it was great to, you know, it was great because like I said, I had that. I had that promise to myself that I was going to have like a really like I really wanted to take Shuma to Evo and even if it was good or bad and it took me a little bit but I got there so like for when I had like the Shuma chant it was like very um meant a lot to me because like I said I I, I had said that and I spoke it into existence you know I had top eight I had my moment um and then yeah you know after that I played um Flocker winners finals winners finals mm-hmm. and he was absurdly strong he completely destroyed me and then I played Justin Wong, and he similarly didn't want me in his way. So I ha- I essentially went one and two in top eight, but 
still, I had like a really great moment. And overall, it was the top eight showing that I knew I could get and that, you know, we had spoken again into existence on that car ride. So <laughs> a lot of emotions afterwards. I remember every single Arizona person was trying to hit me up. You know, like Rick Dog was immediately trying to take me to dinner. Everyone was just like, what are we doing? You know, what are we doing? You know, like everyone <laughs> wanted to drink. Everyone wanted to, yeah, it was like, take pictures and stuff. It was fantastic. But yeah, it was it was a wonderful time. And, you know, I, I, you know, again, I let everyone know Arizona was really strong and like we could do this. You know, I definitely felt like John said, like Arizona scene was was no slouch when it came to this game. And if anything, you know, we we had some things that people needed to fear. So. I remember that Evo. So, so I was in the crowd for when that uh, when your moments were happening there, and leading up to that, I believe that was the year where everybody figured out that you could get away with booing, and like leading up to uh, the the Marvel tournament because I believe Marvel was the headliner at that. Or <laughs> I can't remember. If, okay, yeah. So it was. It was. And then like, and maybe I'm getting my years mixed, but I remember Injustice was big, and then Superman was was broken in that version, so everybody started <laughs> booing them. And then when, <laughs> when uh, then they had put on like put up an ad for Killer Instinct, everybody everybody got hype, and they said only for Xbox One. Everyone went boo. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think for Flocker as well with Zero, everybody was booing Zero. But with with, with Shuma, like you were basically the crowd hero at that point because yeah, there had been yeah. so much negativity. Everybody was booing for every little thing, and all of a sudden Shuma Garath pops up on the screen. Everyone's like, I I do I can I can definitely validate that the uh, the crowd yelling Shuma was extremely loud, extremely positive, and basically you filled filled the whole auditorium with po positivity. Not auditorium, ballroom. It was a, ball, yeah, a hotel ballroom, yeah. right? Yeah, no, Back it was, then. yeah, it was, it was definitely a lot of fun. Yeah. And even then, like, after you, you placed high, that wasn't the end of your accolades for EVO 2013, if I recall correctly. You received another award after that, right? This, again, the funny stories keep happening. Yeah, so <laughs> I was... Um, they they had us on stage doing the awards ceremony and the way the audios worked is you can't really hear it if you're behind the guy speaking like all the speakers are facing the crowd so if you're mm -hmm. behind the speakers you really can't hear anything so um we were getting trophies or we were getting um medals they had awarded flocker with the evo champion and then they had a last trophy and i didn't really hear what it was for except that it was like for a rising star and um I was like, that's cool. You know, that's cool. Like, you know, whatever that happens is cool. Um, I didn't hear them say my name. I really didn't. I apparently they gave this to me and I still don't like I don't I've I've tried to find footage, but I haven't been able to find the footage of me getting presented this trophy. All I remember is everyone looking at me, including the camera. And I looked me, I looked around and like everyone was like, go. And I was like, what? And so I walked forward and then people started clapping. So then and so they gave me this trophy, and I'm just like what the fuck is this for me? And I again, I didn't hear them say my name. So I'm like, oh my God, I hope this is for me. This might be the most awkward thing if not. Um, but yes, it was. Um, I guess that year they had done things a little differently where like they really wanted to award it to like a Marvel player. And again, like they, I like, I, I've literally heard like something from like, you know, it was just the, the evil run alone was enough for them to just give it to me right then and there. Um, somebody said that like, you know, they saw like really my first Marvel event was, um, you know, like my first breakout one was like that curly, like I had done a devastation in vanilla, but it, you know, we don't really talk about devastation. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, like we had like the curly, like I did so much work there and I brought so much, so many hype matches, whether I was in the receiving end or not, you know, and then I went right into the evil after the curly. And then I had, you know, I did such an insane run 
with a with a with a very hype character. So um, yeah, they gave me the rising star, and they, you know they said a, a couple of words. You know they said it's to somebody who shows great promise in the future, who they think is going to do great things in the fighting community. Um, and I really, you know, personally, I took that to heart. Um, you know, evil for me means a lot, and I've I've definitely been very critical of the event in its later years, as a lot of us have. Um, but that was only just because the event and you know the trophies and the medals that I have from it have meant so much to me. You know, um, there's 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 no doubt in my mind that I definitely thought of the Rising Star Award when I thought of doing things like running events, you know, participating in, you know, exhibitions, you know, when I try to reach out to people or people ask me questions, interviews, anything like that. You know, I always try to keep it in the back of my head that some, you know, even if it's for a silly reason, like just having a really great day in a fighting game, you know, they still gave me an award that held, I thought, a lot of weight. So I tried to kind of, you know, implement, you know, some of that community back you know try to give back to the community implement that uh spirit into the things that i did so yeah that that definitely happened um it's a very heavy trophy too i had a lot of problems getting it back because it, one thing they don't <laughs> tell you about winning trophies is that you don't normally pack with enough room for a trophy so, <laughs> yeah, back is always a problem. i i have uh, a couple uh, like two more stories about that that time yeah. i get like you said the stories keep coming out right <laughs> now we've talked about how you won third place and how you won uh the rising star award but i believe that the true winner of that tournament was our friend dana and i can show you why here let me pull this up on the video feed for those who are watching on the video but for those who are uh an audio here i have currently pulled up a picture of our friend dana oh. <laughs> <laughs> meeting his doppelganger Seth Killian <laughs> and this whole nice. time that, like again we talked about our, our group of four Adena was one of them and he's probably going to crucify me for putting his picture on the internet but <laughs> we always said he just he was like Arizona Seth Killian he just looked like Seth Killian and then we finally got a picture of him in the same room and I do remember I, I want to segue that into this other thing here where we got a chance to talk with Seth Killian and mm -hmm. he mentioned that, uh, and I forget if you were even uh, in that conversation or if you were busy, like, you know, uh, getting the awards and whatnot, but mm -hmm. um, he mentioned that uh, Armando had done things with Shumagarath that had never, that he, like, he hadn't seen the, that stuff happen before. And he was, at this point, Seth Killian was a developer on Marvel vs. Capcom 3 yep. on the publishing side. And I think a, a big point I want to underscore here because, you know, you you are the Schumer Garath guy. That is a big part of your brand. But at that time, like the the general idea, and we've alluded to it on this podcast, was that that character was trash, complete trash. <laughs> yep. He was a charge character in Marvel Three. Um, he had weird normals. He didn't have BBCS as his his combo route, and he had all these weird, extreme, like hyper specific corner specific combos, as you mentioned, and so. The crowd shouting Shuma, Shuma, like th that's because they had never seen a lot of these combos before. And yep. th they're really fucking hard combos to do. So it's like this was I, I do agree with you and that Curly and, and, and your performance up leading up to that was a lot uh, like your breakout. But for a lot of people in the mass like fighting community who weren't familiar with Marvel, you know, they had been getting used to seeing Magneto and Phoenix and Zero and yeah. whatnot. And then Shuma Garoth pops up and like you are you become the low tier hero. And then you, you even go even further than that in the future and you say, this character actually isn't low tier, he's meta-defining. And I think it's worth underscoring that because we're taking that for granted right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's no. like, yeah, you know, Marvel, Shuma's whatever, he's awesome, and, but but he's he was bad and you made him good, basically. Yeah, no, I, I, that's a funny picture that I, I forgot happened. Yeah, <laughs> Seth Killian, so 
if I remember correctly, Seth Killian came up after the presentation and uh, he introduced himself. And I, you know, obviously I told him I was a big fan and I immediately took my moment of fame to ask him the secret behind why Shuma was in the game. Right. I took yeah. that my time. I, yeah, I, I totally abused my line, my five minutes to uh, <laughs> be like, hey, like, yeah, you really like that. He's like, I love Shuma. And I was like, I love Shuma, too. I was like, do you mind asking something? He's like, absolutely. I was like how did he get in the game? Cause he's so random and uh, he divulged uh, what happened. Um, I don't know if it's public knowledge or not, but I mean, I've told the story before and at this point he doesn't work there anymore. So let's just say it. Uh, he told me that um, Marvel, Marvel did not want Shuma. They did not like Shuma. They didn't think he was a relevant character. They really wanted to push what we now know to be, you know, future phase one, two, three Marvel characters, right? Like guardians of the galaxy, et cetera. Um, Capcom US, not even Capcom Japan. Capcom Japan didn't want him. Capcom US really wanted him. And I now know it was because of people like Seth, who were just a really big fan of him. Um, they said, like, Mar they said that Cap Marvel Japan still really wanted kind of like a cosmic being. And they were flipping through the comic books and they still just kept kind of arriving that maybe Shuma wasn't that bad. Um, and with pressure from Capcom US, they eventually relented to bring him back. But it was a very, like, it was a very concentrated effort that involved a lot of meetings, specifically asking them to let them animate Shuma one more time. Like, it was very much a, an unexplained passion that Marvel Japan didn't, or Capcom Japan didn't fucking understand. They're just like, why do you keep asking us for the squid character? And then I, at some point, I guess, like, they even showed them, like, a comic book. They're like, yeah, here, here you go. Like, this is the character right here. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I butchered that memory. It's at this point, you know, everything's, like, 10 years plus, And, you know, I'm getting older and memory starts <laughs> to fade. But, yeah, for sure, he, he, told, he, he explained it to me that, you know, it was very much a concentrated effort by the people in Capcom US and that both Marvel and Japan didn't want him at all. And that it took literal flipping of comic book pages to arrive to that character to really kind of give him a chance. Um, and yeah, I, I think that was actually when I think right after that was when this picture took place, because I know for sure I I met up with you guys right after this. So I'm thinking maybe you guys walked over when I was talking to him or I brought him. That's over probably to, it. Yeah. Yeah. But for sure. I know for sure. After I saw him, he came up to me and then I asked him about this. And then, you know, we had this. So <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah, nice. fun time. Yeah, and, and he similarly said good things about, you know, like he was like, yeah, you know, we didn't think he could do this in the game. And, you know, we're really, he's like, he was, he, Seth Kim was very animated. I'm very grateful to the way he spoke because, um, you know, when somebody else is like that excited about your gameplay, you can't help but feel really good about it, right? Yeah. And that's fuel for the future, man. You know, like nothing warms up your practice, like remembering like one, you know, the, the developer, like a celebrity in that community completely gushing about the things you did. So, um, yeah, a lot of fuel for the fire. You know, 2013 gave me so much ammo to work with for the future that it it set me it set me up nicely for whatever I wanted to pursue after. Which you know, nice, nice. So it, to transition into that, in terms of like stuff you wanted to pursue after, I wanted to touch briefly on undefeated. So um, that's uh, basically I'll, I'll let you kind of just uh, tell the story about how that got started, why it got started. Um, I mean, we got about. 20 minutes or so so i want to touch touch briefly yeah, yeah. on that like you don't have to get too much in depth i think i feel like that's something that maybe we can talk about at a later time i'll bring you back on 
Because I sure. definitely want to do this little game that we have before we got to close out. So, uh, no, it's all yeah, good. you can. If you could, uh, yeah, just give us kind of the, the 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 origin story of Undefeated and what what motivated you to do that. Yeah, so um, I'll give like a high level overview. Um, Undefeated was originally called Undefeated of the Southwest. Uh, it yep. was a meme event that took place when I was hosting, or I think we like the Rambat Arizona scene in general. I don't really want to say I was doing it. Um, we were hosting a Marvel event. And using my newfound connections, you know, in New Mexico and Nevada, because we were home, you know, we're sister scenes with Vegas. Mm -hmm. I had just gone to New Mexico and found a couple of um, dedicated players. I asked them, hey, we're, we're, you guys want to just drive over to this event? And they both said, sure. You know, it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't a huge event. I just said, hey, do you guys want to come to one of our locals? They yeah. agreed. And at that point, I took those and I sold it to California. And I reached out to all the SoCal players, Clockwork, Cloud. I think even Kane was in the first one. I'm not sure he happened to be in the States. And I was like, hey, New Mexico and Vegas are coming to our tournament. And of course, I had given it a name at that point. Do you, why don't you guys come and we'll have this big, like, you know, free for all kind of, you know, fest. And it was just a Marvel event. It, it was just Marvel. Um, yeah. And yeah, we, you know, we had the event. It was fantastic. There is, I'm so grateful that we took a picture. We took a picture of the yeah. participants at the night, uh, like in the afternoon. And it now sits on a lot of like my undefeated website stuff as like the origin story because yeah. that was the picture we took at the end of the event. Um, yeah. It was fantastic. We merged the scenes, and really, what I personally found out of it was that, um, again, you know, this mentality of where I want to give back to the community that helped foster my my talents. Um, I realized that one of my new talents or one of my new, you know, abilities was the fact that I had a lot of connections and I didn't have any problems kind of reaching out and asking people, Hey, you should come. So bringing people to Arizona became a new idea in my head. You know, how can I bring okay. people to Arizona? How can I bring these name players to our community? Um, because I knew that a lot of us couldn't travel. You know, I knew that some of our Arizona community, whether health reasons, financial, you know, time restraints, you know, family, man, whatever have it, not everyone could go to all these events that I was, you know, trying to go to. So how do I bring the talent to them? And that was the basis of Arizona or the basis of undefeated, excuse me. It was just um, having an event to come, you know, to, to, to kind of host all these named players. Um, yeah. Now it is a Marvel focused event. And the reason for that is simple is that when we had a lot of issues with ran bats, you know, whether they were, you know, ran bats, has bats, arcade in the box bats, however you want, where we had a lot of sagas for ran bats, the, the main point of rebuttal for any form of critique ultimately was, if you don't like it, you should go run your own event. And yeah. that was said by a lot of people, you know, shout outs to Abe, um, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, just, uh, and, and that's very fair. And honestly, yeah. that's, that's fair to them. And I took yeah. that in that aspect. I was like, you're right. Why don't I just run my own thing the way I want it yeah. to be ran? You know, so I did. And what did I play at the time? I played Marvel. So I yeah. ran a Marvel event and Undefeated started as a Marvel event. Now, other, yeah. you know, the, the next iteration of that um, was when Street Fighter V came out. What was that, 2015? When did it come yeah. no. when did 2016, it I think. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, just to, just to interject briefly, like for, for those like that are, um, for the Arizona scene, like the original Undefeated, uh, the origin story, that started at the uh, first Gaming Zone location. Which is, if you've been to the gaming zone now, it's basically in that same strip mall plaza, just further, uh, further west. 
like towards the more close towards, towards the like the, the boba donut mm-hmm. place and that's where you guys started and then for where we're where we're at now is it, uh, you said uh yeah street fighter 5 release because yeah this was the next undefeated was right around the, i think it was basically like a launch tournament like it was like the week yeah. after if I, what i remember yeah so i i think i ran two i think i in 2014 i ran uh, the, the initial one and then i ran yeah. something else at tgz again that was just marvel um, and then in the, when I went to Endgame for 2016, because Street Fighter V had come out, that was yeah. when I started adding games. And even then, yeah. I didn't add just any games. I added games that I liked, which is why yeah. we randomly had, like, Melty Blood there. You know, like, we had, like, <laughs> yeah, the Melty Blood there. Street Fighter V was being released, and everyone was excited, including myself. So I had there. We had Street Fighter Four as well, because um, I knew a lot of the community really loved it. And at that point, yeah. I was, you know, I was like, if I'm going to have all these games, I might as well have something that everyone likes as well. Um, yeah. So I had Street Fighter 4. And then I think we had Guilty Gear, Exerd, you know, Exerd, mm-hmm. Revelator. Um, just like, again, I literally, just to be clear, every single time I choose the games for the event, I choose them because I like them or yeah. I want to support the community within them. The most notable being, you know, now in the future is Tekken, you know, absolutely massive game. You know, yeah. by the numbers, I think Tekken is the largest FTC game in Arizona now at this point. Uh, and they absolutely crush it with the energy, the registration. Like, there's no complaints. And um, a promise I made to them that got affected by the pandemic, unfortunately, was I after 2019, we had that really large undefeated. You know, I let yeah. them know that that was probably going to be the last time I did a lot of marble-focused pop bonuses. And I was going to start to put more bonuses into the events that get the most edges, entries within Arizona specifically. So yeah. I told the Tekken community, they definitely get the next one for sure. Um, and I still mean to keep that promise, you know, whether if it's, you know, whether it's this Tekken or the next, however long it takes to kind of get back on the ground again. Um, but yeah, I mean, Undefeated, definitely a passion project. Um, mm-hmm. To be transparent, it's never been a money-making project. It takes a lot of resources. And part of the reason, too, why it was so easy to focus on Marvel was because, one, I liked it. And then, two, I knew a lot of sponsors for Marvel. So, I mean, it takes a lot of money to run these events. They run at a loss. Yeah. There's, you know, there's no secret about it. I mean, Benny, you and your family has been instrumental yeah. in helping volunteer for these events year after year. I really couldn't even do it without you, you know. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's a lot of effort and a lot of a lot of things that go into it. So it couldn't be anything more than a passion project, really. So, yeah, um, I mean. But no, yeah. I was gonna say like yeah, that's 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 been like one of the my most fun things to do is like bring my family out to that, and like I remember you you literally just like were like I was asking you stuff about Street Fighter and you're just like, you know what, this is yours. Like you're the head guy for this. You run it how you want to run it. And like I really kind of took that on because like like you mentioned like Endgame, and like I think I went I think I went one two that that year. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, I had I had that one great moment against Rick on stream where like Marvin <laughs> Marvin and uh. Ernest were kind of getting hyped because like I had done something with Dawson they hadn't seen because you know I mean it's two weeks into the game right and they're just yeah, like, oh, yeah. shit like what is this and just like that was like my one shining moment there even though I went one and two I think John I think you ended up like third or somewhere in the top like that was the Snake Eyes event right like that was, yeah like, that was Snake, Eyes, Snake, Eyes, right? Snake Eyes here yeah. yeah so like that's always been like a fun event for me to I, I plan you know I plan time off around that because it's just like something I want to do to like help you out as a friend and like the AZ wow. scene in general so it's just like it's been that's been one of the, like my favorite things to kind of do uh, just to help you guys out. And like, yeah, it's been, it's been a great experience. Yeah. It's, it's a, uh, I mean, I can't, in some ways I feel, I feel 
I feel like I'm in a difficult spot because it's such a it is a very difficult event to run. The pandemic has absolutely shut down the to put it lightly, like the industry for kind of obtaining these lower level sponsors that are required. You know, um, it's never been harder to justify to a company that you are going to run a fighting game event at a loss and that they need to pay me enough money to run it in the first place in exchange for putting their <laughs> branding on it. You know, yeah. um, it's a very difficult discussion and something that I've had, you know, I've, it, it's so unfortunate, man. The pandemic really, really hit. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if people realize how much damage it did to Arizona specifically. Um, if you were talking in regards to undefeated, because we were part of the pro tour uh, and that yeah. we, we were going to be a pro tour for street fighter Capcom, you know, they, they, you know, I had a, I had a, I had a conversation. I mean, that was in the making for a long time. I, I remember taking meetings with Capcom while at my job, you know, um, and just, you know, just constant phone calls, arranging things. You know, there's a lot that goes into it, a lot of contracts, a lot of things that, you know, that they were going to help me with as well. And the pandemic shoved it all out the window and they didn't really come back because now they've reformatted it to the online and, you know, they don't, their system is completely different now. You know, and I, and and it sucks because 2019 was also the I would say that that was the best year in terms of how many people came, like the numbers, the numbers game strictly. That was probably our best year. That was the biggest ramp up from year to year. Um, we saw more people coming. We saw more people spectating. We saw more people competing. We had we'd never had so many eyes. We successfully had a number of sponsors have booths. You know, so I have, you know, like I have, a, I had, a, you know, uh, Pink Lemonade, Zach, a local player. He's my photographer. You know, I, I very, you know, I hired him to take a lot of professional photos of various things about the event with the intention of then turning this into like a portfolio, you know, that I could then go and take, you know, you, you basically have your pitch deck that you go yeah. and then you take to another sponsor and like, this is what I can offer you. You know, yeah. all of that went out the window and now the game has changed entirely and that's kind of why a lot of people um you know you see a lot of events like kit i cannot believe kit is closing doors but at the same time i kind of can you know because yeah. they like kit never really i felt made you know breached the upper echelon of events they were yeah. still just a really big regional but at this point you can't even be a regional really like there's just no support yeah. for the you know yeah. Um, a lot of there has happened and realistically if i'm being honest uh it's strictly a money thing at this point for undefeated um yeah. i don't have the capital that you know without without the sponsors that i had and really we're talking yeah. like i mean obviously there's still sponsors out there that would help me shout out to hitbox you yeah. know they would definitely come in and sweep me and give me you know something but you know when you're looking when when the basis of a, an event kind of like undefeated starts out with you know, a five digit number contract for the venue. And I have to sign that up front without yeah. even thinking about what the name of the event is going to be, who's going to come, who I, you know, when I have, when I need that much money up front, you really can't make, you know, I can't be making those decisions anymore in a pre pandemic world, especially with inflation and stuff like that. So um, yeah. it, it is unfortunate. And I, I didn't mean to like nose dive the undefeated <laughs> legacy into that conversation of where it is, but I mean, it's it's also hard not to talk about, you know. I can't really talk yeah. about all the good times without thinking and lamenting about what could have been, you yeah. know. Um, I had the venue book for 2020. Uh, I'll give you, like, I I'll I'll share this with you. So we actually, this is how big 2020 was going to be. So we had the CPC Pro Tour, 
But what nobody knew except me and two others were that I had worked out a deal with ASU in the city. We were going to be in the Sun Devil Stadium in a very large room that they have there. And we were going to have the whole, like, they were talking, they they really wanted to blow it up. ASU was kind of looking to develop their esports program. They were talking about having the finals in, like, the center stage. Meanwhile, we're having the pool area. Like, there was a lot of options being thrown around. And when it came to talking about money, they were like, you make this look good. You don't worry about it. So having a year like 2020 where I'm both CPT and I could find I financially speaking, I could, you know, be in the positive because I don't have to dump everything. You know, I can start investing into equipment. I can start, you know, that's when, when you don't have to worry about the venue. I can start, you know, diverting my funds into a company like Gaming Gen where they can start providing us actual venues or actual yeah, setups. You know, setups, setups you know? Cause yeah. right now really the setups are TGZ sat gaming. And then I start begging for setups, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I love <laughs> TGZ, but they have eight setups. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's not yeah. sustainable for a large event. Yeah. Sat gaming up. has a little bit more, but they don't have the games. So every yeah. single time I rent from them, it's just like, I'm, I'm scrapping together the setups that we need. Yeah. To give you guys the event that we deserve because no one likes going. I mean, I don't I wouldn't want my event to be there and then have like, hey, we got to switch the setups or hey, no casual. You know, I always do my best to leave at least a couple of setups going, you know, at 2019. The thing it was cramped. But the thing that I liked the most was that I didn't really switch any setups away from the game. You know, so you kind of had you if you were there for that day, you kind of had the setup for that game. And, you know, we had we were just trying, you know, we're just. We're just always just trying to make things work. But yeah, 2020 yeah. was building up to be a large, a large event that was going to probably change the game for Arizona or not Arizona, but I mean, undefeated entirely. I definitely don't want to say like Arizona is undefeated. That's very egotistical. Undefeated is yeah. definitely just my project that, you know, you guys are all part of. And I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was going to be set up to be very big. And then everything kind of fell flat. And yeah. now it's just, you know, like I said, there's just the... The ecosystem has changed. Um, yeah. There's there's not as many avenues, and uh, you know it's it's sometimes it's important to just kind of recognize that I personally, you know, I'm not able to get the kind of funding for that at this point in time any longer. So yeah. Um, who knows? I think there's still a lot of other avenues to explore. Um, I think I think fondly actually. I think John, maybe you did this this event. Um, I think finally at to bar fights, I really like that kind of exhibition style event. And oh, I those think were, uh, Abe, I think. Or did you do those yeah. too, John? I, no, I did a couple of them. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah think, it's, it's been carried them. across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been carried across. But I think like those kind of events. I mean, I still have venues in Arizona that I can utilize. Um, like hmm. there's like Endgame, there's DGZ. There's a lot of other. There's a lot of other spots too. Um, I've I've definitely done my homework. There's a lot of venues that I went, took a full tour, took a price quote, and I kind of never went back. But you yeah. know, they're in my pocket if I ever think that they would be the right fit. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. If, if I could ask a prepping question on this one, um, so for 2020, you know, everything got canceled, and so right. if you're at liberty to share this, did you suffer any financial or any other kind of losses in addition to you know the dropped contracts and whatnot? For 2020, because again, ASU, like to be clear, there was still going to be a contract with ASU and like it, they weren't going to charge me a lot. It was basically free financially speaking, sure. but there was still a few thousand dollars tied up to that. I actually, the day that, what was it? 
a big major canceled. Somebody canceled. I think whether it was Combo Breaker, Evo, something canceled. And then it was a cascade of sure. events canceling. And then there was another event called Michigan Masters. I don't know if you guys have heard that. They ran their event anyways, and they reported like a 70% attendee refund request rate. Like it was it was the end of their event. They yeah, they posted financial losses that they could never recover. And mid-event, they basically said that this will never happen again. Like they are financially broke. So when yeah. all of that happened, I was I was days away from signing the contract days and the reason why it was days away was because we were waiting for i had a i have a contact with the city who was who recommended me to asu so it was a tri-person deal it was asu it was me and it was my contact with the city my contact with the city was delayed and he was not able to sign his portion so we the whole contract was delayed and thankfully when all of that hit i was able to back out Okay. Um, so the venue is was the thing that I would sign first and foremost, and that I didn't post any losses on. Okay. You know, okay. Really, what the losses were was the, yeah. yeah. No, I'm thankful for that for sure. But really, it was the CPT thing was the one that I I did have like everything was signed and ready, and then everything was went on hold, and then Capcom went radio silent, and they never they did not update like they're. I even think that the person who was my point of contact for that whole contract is not like they don't even work there anymore. You know, so anytime I try to reach out to new people, they're just like, yeah, we don't we do online CBT now. So my understanding is a lot of those contracts have like act of God clauses. Right. And I think that that like for like hurricanes or natural disasters and stuff. And mm-hmm. I think that the pandemic frequently. Uh, yeah, well, uh, I mean, triggered it, those. it goes both ways. Right. Like I told them I wasn't going to do the event and they said, yeah, we're we don't want you to do the event either. So I said, OK, <laughs> well, let's revisit this in 2021. And they're like, yep. And then in 2021, I said, hey, everything still looks shaky, but I'm thinking about 2022 or, you know, or excuse me, this happened. Yeah. In, yeah 2020. Yeah. I, you know, I told them that next. And then they were like, oh, we're online now. So I don't really do anything. And then they stopped replying and stuff like that. So it's yeah. I mean, losses wise, financially speaking, I definitely um, was a lot luckier than other events. Uh, like yeah. I said, the Michigan Master ones, um, that was that was ran by some people I actually knew. And like, yeah, mm-hmm. it was complete loss as well as other i think kit suffered some losses as well so or one of the texas events as well yeah yeah that's unfortunate but i mean yeah that's like you said that's kind of like the reality of kind of where we're at in terms of like local events or like you know those kind of those kind of events i mean yeah it's just it's it's a tough situation to be in but i mean for those people that are like you know looking forward to undefeated like i mean the two things i kind of take away is like one you don't want to put on an event that you know isn't kind of like up to what you want, like right? yeah, in terms yeah. of your standards, right? It's not like I'm just yeah. gonna hold this just to hold this and whatever, and then like you know, who knows what the repercussions are gonna be financially or you know, for the experience yeah. for the people that attend, and it's just gonna be like, man, this was a shit event, blah blah blah. And so, like, you know, I mean, I think I think that's a testament to you. That's you know, there's a lot of people like I think that would just kind of just whatever, just just do things just to do it, and you know, that's a that's a big thing. To kind of just you know be willing yeah. to just be like, hey, I I can't do this how I want, and that's how it is. And then the other thing was like, you brought up that that situation, uh, or what what Abe had said in terms of like, if, you know, if you don't like it, do your own thing, right? And there's you know a lot of people could have taken that the wrong way, right? They could have just been like, you know what, and kind of like segmented themselves kind of away from the the community in a sense. But it's just like, um, you know, as somebody myself that's run events, like I'm 
I'm quick to critique, but I always try to like preface it like, hey, like I, I know where you're coming from and you know that kind of thing. Like, please don't take this too harshly. And like I always have that mindset too. Like I feel like I can do certain things better. Like uh I mean even like snacks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, whether it was like rewired or even like undefeated. Like there were certain certain things where like things were going crazy, like schedule wise, I think at the mm-hmm. end game where it was just like we need somebody for the Street Fighter stream. Oh, he's playing Marvel. Like, holy shit, the conflicts right now. Like, yeah. oh my god. Like, you know, I think, I think, I think it was Ray Ray that was like, "Hey, bro," I was like, "Are you playing?" And I was like, I look at the stream on one side, and I'm just like, "Ah, oh, shit, he's on the stream on Marvel." Like, hey, I need you to come over here and play Street Fighter. Yeah. We got to move this bracket going. And I'm just like, you know, it's just one of those things. But yeah, it's like, yeah. There's uh, there's there's um there's definitely like a quality aspect to it, and I think it's nice to say like, you know, that I won't put anything up that's not the standards, but um i do seriously miss it and that's why i did run something at the end of last year in october um that was an end game and it was kind of like a a smaller like one day event um and that was really successful it really was so um i still have a lot of plans and i still try to kind of poke and prod as to you know see where i can go um and even if it's not you know this year or next year you know i i do think it's going to come back um it's just a matter of time and uh you know build up i think you know just making sure i have the right resources built up to tackle this properly yeah because i do firmly believe that the success that we had in 2019 like that really large explosion like where we had i don't know if you guys know the numbers but like it was i mean internally speaking i have the numbers so <laughs> of course you guys know but it was <laughs> It was like we had maybe about 500 people we had we, it was it was quite a bit nice. i mean it, don't get me wrong it's no major where you know ceo frosty they clear like two grand entries easy you know but 500 people is a lot of people this is a very very large amount of people so largest undefeated by far you know and it's a it's a significant i mean every every major game had like 50 to 75 people you know which is a great bracket to have it's a it's a true you know a 50 to 75 man bracket whoever wins that is truly going to feel like they won something right and that's important yeah. and there is a lot of other tidbits that go into undefeated right like you know i i've you know i always felt like our stages were lacking so I, something that i was preparing with asu was a really large stage you know it's important to feel like whoever wins the tournament feels like they're standing on a stage worth being stood on right and similarly whoever is watching the tournament it's important for them to feel like they are watching the best players, right? Nobody feels like they're watching the best players when you are standing behind them and looking face down at their setup, right? That doesn't give you the same feel. You know, you put them, it's important to put people on the pedestal that they belong because they're the best players. So there's a lot of things that work on and, and, you know, and those kind of are the kind of things that I can't really let go anymore. So a lot of it is my own weakness or, you know, like I said, it's nice to say that, you know, I'm not going to do it unless I can do it right. When reality is, is like, I almost wish that I, I feel like I could do an event. Um, but because there's so many little things that I want to make sure would be perfect for the yeah. next one that I, you know, I'm holding off. So um, I still have hope and I still have a lot of ideas. Um, I still, I mean, to be honest, like some of the things that I did for Undefeated that were really fun was I like doing all the logo design and all the, all the decision choices aspect. And I already have the next one branded. I just need to, you know, maybe wait for the right moment, you know, the right time, the right opportunity, maybe a venue out there looking for, you know, a lonely event to, you know, come around without a lot, without a big price tag. So, yeah. Yeah. Would you consider, would you consider running an, an online event? Um, so this is an interesting question. I had been planning to run an online event um, during the pandemic, but the logistics behind it and the scheduling were a little difficult. 
And ultimately, I did not feel like if you, I did not feel like if I ran an online major, quote unquote, or an online regional, it would give everyone the feel of the event that you would get offline. And that's, yeah. and that's more so at my, my personal take on online events. When I enter an online event, an online bracket, it just feels like an online bracket. I can't really distinguish between a Wednesday night fights online bracket, uh, you know, and a CLG ladder bracket, or, you know, like if somebody wanted to do like a very massive, you know, like I know like the the grand blue, they did their official, you know, arc system works, you know, all the, all the brackets kind of feel the same because ultimately you're, it's not like the players have a special HUD or anything when they're playing, they're just playing the same lobby match. You know, and whoever the streamer is gets to kind of hype it up a little bit. But really, you're just, they're just going to full screen gameplay and talk over it. You know, I don't think online events really distinguish themselves that well from every event. So I didn't feel like running an undefeated online event was necessary when there were so many other people kind of taking the lead. Be it like Tampa Never Sleeps doing, a, you know, KOF, DNF, Marvel, Wednesday Night Fights doing it. Like there's so many good online events already that I don't think a UDF event would have really done a lot. So eventually that's kind of why I decided against it and kind of just, you know, at the time, you know, we didn't know how long the, the pandemic was. This was like literally as soon as we all went home, I started planning an online event. Um, I figured that I would rather just save my resources and time for when the pandemic's over to, to come back with a really strong offline event and kind of remind everyone why we liked meeting offline. So that was the thinking behind it. Sure. Nice. Okay, so, so I mean, I, I wanted to close out with something really quickly here. Is um, so Armando, like one of the uh, the last interactions I had with you prior to the pandemic is you ran a qualifier for a Street Fighter Five uh, team <laughs> battle, right? Yeah, I uh, I failed to qualify for that one, and you gave me probably one of the biggest pieces pieces of advice that I've been using for my fighting game career since then which is because uh, i was salty i lost and i was like mm -hmm. i got scrubbed out by a character i didn't know all the law and you told me um i'm sorry it wasn't the result that you wanted and i i kind of wanted to bookend like the expectations conversation from the beginning of our episode here where um that is an extreme like like that that ties into the idea of expectations and entitlement right which is you wanted a specific result when you went when you when you're playing and if you have a pretty bad loss you know Ultimately, you just have to acknowledge that it wasn't the result yeah. that you wanted. And I, yeah. it was such a profound thing for a competitor to hear. Um, and for, for like, I, I do hum, like, I humbly accept that advice. And I really appreciate that you gave that to me back then. So, yeah, thanks, no. man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, dude. <laughs> if I, we'll close it out. Or if I can give you one more funny story, um, that 5v5 ended up being a little bit of a, of a shit show, mind my words. <laughs> Um, Arizona did really well. I don't know if you guys were, I think, I think you guys both were watching it, but we mm -hmm. killed everyone. We got second place. We did work. It was fantastic, dude. I've never been so invested in Street Fighter before in my life, man. Every single time it would always come to the nail biter. I'd be like, is Isaac going to show up today or is he going to throw the match? Dude, he was, he would either like beat everyone or like lose right away. Yep. Like a key would clean up. I love watching uh, Ram bro. <laughs> damn bro aka damn bro um yeah. yeah fantastic we ended up getting second we were promised a bunch of stuff including i i kid you not a pizza party um jackets you know all sorts of things 
and then they ghosted us. <laughs> and <laughs> Bailey was in charge of that. So I hit up Bailey and I was like, what is the deal? You put your name on this. So now I want you to answer to me. And he similarly said he got ghosted and he's been <laughs> upset too. So everyone got like they ran the event, they got their winner, and then they ghosted everybody. They claimed it was the pandemic that they couldn't get us money. They claimed it was the pandemic that they couldn't get us jackets and stuff like that. So um it's insane. Yeah, it nothing's happened about it. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I'll if if everyone remembers it well enough, I'll throw a pizza party for the five. Dude, I'm down <laughs> to that out of pocket because I had a blast and these dudes killed it, but yeah, that's what ended up happening, man. We, you know, we had some matches, and then we all got ghosted by the organizers. So, <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. cool, cool. I mean, we this episode has ran long, but I do still want to do this game real quick. This is literally going to be right. lightning round stuff. Um, I'll ask John one thing real quick. Should he be able to name somebody more than once? Uh, no, just for time's sake. Is that no? Work? Or yes? No, just... That would be a yes. Wait. Yes, for time's sake. <laughs> for, for times, whichever one is has less has less answers. I, think if I, I, was, <laughs> I don't know what the game, but if I can see the same person twice, I think it'd go faster, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah oh yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, exactly. absolutely. Then yeah. Okay. So the game that I had in mind was we're gonna name we're gonna go through the Marvel Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom three <laughs> roster, and for every character, I want you to name. Wait, there's fifty the characters. First, man. The first person that comes to mind. So. Uh, do you want to go off the picture, or I have the I have the list in the uh, in the doc here, John? If you just want to go down like the Marvel list. Oh, okay, there's, yeah, there's yeah. Fifty plus characters. Are you sure you want me to do this? <laughs> yeah, no, just like you don't have to give any okay. any context right, or anything. Right, just right, fire, just right. first first player that comes to mind anywhere anywhere. anywhere. Okay, okay, go. okay. All right, so uh, how do you want to do this? Do you want to do the picture, or do you want to do the? Oh, we can just go, go down, down the list. list. I'll just I just have okay. the picture up on the on the video here. All right, so we're gonna go with the Marvel side first. Captain America. Random guy who beat me at Evo. <laughs> Almost who beat me at Evo. All right. Deadpool. Surge. Doctor Doom. Chris G. Doctor Strange. <laughs> Ninja Nov. Dormammu. Me. Ghost Rider. Zack Tab. Hawkeye. Dual Kevin. Hulk. Pain Blue River. Iron Fist. Trash. <laughs> Iron Man. Uh, Jeopardy. All right. Magneto. F Champ. Modoc. Dana. Greenpipe. Okay. Uh, Nova. Uh, Ninja Nomigan. Okay. Uh, Phoenix. F Champ. Uh, Rocket Raccoon. Uh, salute. Sentinel. Ray Ray. Oh, that was going to be my pick too. Uh, She Hulk. Oh God. I don't even know the last time we saw She Hulk. She was Steve. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Shubagura. Me. <laughs> <laughs> Spider Man. Uh, Milky. Storm. Oh, fanatic. Okay. Uh, Super Scroll. Uh. Good eye sniper one two three. <laughs> okay, uh, taskmaster. Um, wow, uh, Ronan Healy. Okay, uh, Thor. Iron Gun. Uh, Wolverine. Uh, PR Rog. Okay, X twenty three. Uh, Merkel. Okay, and then John, do you want to go through the Capcom characters? Or do you want me to just keep going? 
Uh, sure, yeah. Akuma? Uh, Living Legend. Uh, Albert Wesker. <laughs> um, we'll do Spikeball. Amaterasu. Uh, Zach Bennett. Arthur. Wow, a Paradigm. Chris Redfield. GCOG. Chun Li. Um, Ryan LV. Crimson Viper. A Ford. Oh yeah. <laughs> Dante. Dual Kevin. Felicia. Doctor Salt. Firebrand. Paul Jimian. Frank West. Rika Riemann. Shenko. Easy Boy. Jill Valentine. Corky J. Mike Hagar. Uh, Jason Kiddo. Uh, Morgan. Chris G. Spencer. Uh, Mundank. Nemesis. Me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, no explanation. Phoenix Wright. Uh, I heard justice. Uh, Ryu. Oh, God. What's it? Random all Ryu. Uh, Strider. Ford. Trish. Pink Lemonade. Tronbon. Uh, I begin. Virgil. Scott. <laughs> I don't know why I remember that. Yeah, Saver Scott. <laughs> uh, beautiful Joe. Uh, Weddle. And Zero. John. There you go. Oh, shucks. <laughs> uh, what a fitting in. end. <laughs> I yep, was laughing because this. Uh, <laughs> that was, I was not because I, t- I took the I took the names from the from a Wikipedia thing, so it had those full names. So when I saw Albert Wesker, I didn't even like know that I had copied it that way. <laughs> <laughs> that like that threw me off. <laughs> I forgot Spencer's first name was Nathan. <laughs> Nathan Spencer. <laughs> Nathan Spencer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh but, uh, man. Yeah, I just well, want to say cool. like. I, yeah, it was it was great talking to you, Armando. Glad we could finally like work out the schedule here. Um, yeah, definitely want to. Sure, yeah, we'd love to talk to you again. Uh, you know, so maybe some other time we'll figure. You know, we're trying to, like, sure, no trying to get through more episodes. Like we'll, we might find another time in the future to talk to you about something else. I mean, we we yeah. only got to Evo 2013 as far as history goes, and he's got yeah. a very illustrious career afterwards too <laughs> as a player. What happens, that's what happens when you've been around for a long time, man. You, just, <laughs> you got a lot of scene to cover, so it's all good. We'll get to another time. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's been a pleasure. Um, yeah, as always, me. as always, you can uh, find us on Twitch when we go live at twitch.tv slash spiral series with the VODs afterwards on YouTube at youtube.com slash spiral series and then on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify under Absolute Guard. All right. Again, nice talking to you, Armando. Great seeing you again, John. I'll talk to you guys later. See you guys. Bye.
Thank you.